So, moving on to today, it's a great pleasure to introduce Dr. David Geo, who is a British Academy Global Professor and a Visiting Professor of Intelligence and International Security in the Department of War Studies at King's College London. Prior to joining KCL, David was Associate Professor of History at the US Military Academy at West Point and History Fellow for the Army's Cyber Institute. He's also Director of the Cambridge Security Initiative and is co-convener of its International Security and Intelligence Programme. He is a former CIA analyst and operations officer and remains a senior officer in the US Navy Reserve. David also holds advanced degrees from Georgetown University and the University of Cambridge. I'll add that he's a friend of mine. He's been a good friend to CCW over the, over the last few uh, months and years, actually. Last, just uh, six months ago, I think it was, you bailed us out with an event when a speaker dropped out, I think, two days before, and you stepped up in the, into the breach. So uh, <laughs> very grateful for that. And uh, it's a great pleasure to have you speak to us today on Russian strategy and the social media battlefield. All right. Well, thanks, Will. And I don't think I've ever done a standing room only or, you know, I, know, I feel like the Rolling Stones or something. So thank you very much uh, for, uh, for, for coming today. Okay. A, a bunch of thank yous. Uh, first, to, to Will and CCW for having me here today. Very much appreciate uh, the, the kind invitation. Uh, thank you to the British Academy publicly for uh, funding my project and letting me be here. Thanks to King's War Studies for hosting me. And then, of course, thank you to the Army Cyber Institute at West Point for letting me go. So, and I was like, hey, boss, can I go for four years? And they were like, what? Um, and then I explained it, and they, they bought into it. So that was, uh, that was a big thank you. Uh, but everything I say is my own uh, research, analysis, opinions, uh, nothing to do with the US government. OK, so from Sun Tzu to Machiavelli to Gerasimov, Information in warfare, information in conflict, information in pre-warfare, uh, I think is absolutely critical. To, you, you all know the Sun Tzu quote, to win 100 uh, victories in 100 battles is not the acme of skill. To subdue the enemy without fighting is the acme of skill. Uh, anyway, you, to conquer without fighting is the idea. To, to bend the enemy to your will uh, before the force of arms is necessary. Machiavelli in 15th century Florence, men discontented and desirous of change are able to open the way for the invasion of their country and to render its conquest easy. Karl von Clausewitz, pursue operations that have direct political repercussions, right? So not just on, uh, not just on the battlefield. And, and today I think, you know, just thinking about the, the Ukraine crisis at the moment, um, to disrupt an opposing alliance or to paralyze that alliance. Uh, a wonderful thing to do to favorably uh, affect the political scene. Okay, moving on to today. And I want to talk about Russia today. Um, obviously, there's a lot of folks in the information environment. There's domestic actors, which we can talk about in Q&A if you want. Um, there are other actors, obviously, besides, uh, besides Russia. I happen to focus on Russia. I think they're the best at it. And we can sort of fight over that claim a little bit later, if you like. Uh, but here's General Gerasimov. Information operations can be employed to defend and advance Russia's national interests beyond its borders. Are we not seeing that today? The role of non-military means of achieving political and strategic goals has grown and in many cases have exceeded the power of force of weapons in their effectiveness. Good to have information backed up by some hardware, though, as well. So, okay. So we now know that information is critical. I'm mostly interested in disinformation. That's not misinformation where you know it's just sort of your uncle at you know Christmas dinner spouting off about whatever. 
um, nor is it malinformation, which is often uh, considered true information but for a malign purpose. Disinformation is essentially made up, it's false, and there's an intent here. It's deliberately intended to deceive. Applied to Russia in particular, this can be lumped under the broader measures of Russian active measures. Uh, covert action, forgeries, assassination, political warfare, you know them all. The Russians are very good at it. And they use it for a reason. So no offense to Michael Caine and Batman. I can't remember if this was the Christian Bale Batman or not. But the idea is not just that, you know, my buddy Vlad wants to watch the world burn, right? There is actually a strategy here. You know them, but let's go through them. To assert great power status, to matter, to be respected, right? Who doesn't want that? Um, in, in Putin's view, international politics is a zero-sum game. So if you gain, someone else loses. And if someone else loses, you gain. Uh, to preserve the Russian fear of, uh, sphere of influence in the near abroad in particular, and, as again we see in Ukraine, to keep NATO and to keep the United States out of it. Again, not all of it is directed at us. I think every so often we sort of have this victim uh, idea where you know, everything that, that Putin does is against America or, or, or is at Britain, right? Some of it just has nothing to do with us. Some of it is for his own uh, political goals. And again, as an American, I'm certainly not going to say that that doesn't happen at home. Um, it also uh, compensates for uh, Russian conventional military shortcomings. M the military is, is, is not half bad, I think we know that, but they have significant shortcomings vis-a-vis -vis all of NATO. So just take Ukraine out of it for a second. Uh, Russia can't compete. This is a wonderful way to hit, uh, to hit the West with an asymmetric approach, and frankly, to compete in an area short of war. We are great at war in the West, at least in the United States, pretty good at it. Um, but we don't know what to do up until that point, right? We just sort of flail around in this sort of contest of ideas. That's where Putin can make his money. And there is a long history of this. The historian in me doesn't like the term unprecedented, right? I think I hear that a lot. I don't know if you hear that a lot. Oh, this is unprecedented. This is new. Uh, no, it's not. Um, that doesn't mean it always works. Uh, so if you take Operation Infection, which was the claim by the Russians that the U.S. was responsible for the AIDS epidemic, according to Oregon State, 15% of black Americans thought the USG had deliberately targeted them with AIDS. Obviously, that's not true, but there's, there's a great example. Um, there was also a rumor that CIA was selling crack cocaine in L.A. I think there's going to be a movie about this, a journalist somewhere. Also not true. Uh, Reagan means war. Uh, the idea to paint Reagan as a warmonger, big full-page ads in 1984 newspapers uh, in the context of the election, with uh, the presidential election with Walter Mondale. Soviets tried to paint Reagan as a warmonger, it didn't work, um, or, or maybe it did, but uh, he won in a landslide. Uh, or in 1984, when the Soviets forged uh, white supremacist KKK letters to athletes coming from Africa, warning them that if they participated in the games in uh, LA, that, uh, that, that they, they would be essentially uh, uh, killed or, or, uh, or, or the like. Uh, that didn't work. And so the idea that I mean, disinformation, I, I believe, is a really powerful tool, but it's not checkmate. And there's plenty of things that we can do, right? Just because they're doing it doesn't mean that, that you know, we're, we're owned by them. That's not the case at all. Um, and in fact, most of this stuff doesn't work. Some of it does, and so we just happen, like Pink Floyd, to know the best hits, right? We don't actually know everything that's going on. I wanted, so there's an overt approach here. Um, I love to watch RT, and do you guys like Russia Today? 
my wife is always like, why are you watching that? I sort of hate watch it, but I just want to know what they're saying. Uh, you know, there's Sputnik, right? There's overt channels. And we can talk about those, but just as a way to kind of limit my own research, I'm more interested in the hidden hand. Uh, and so in particular, that's the Russian res uh, Internet Research Agency, now called the Lakta uh, Internet Research Agency, uh, or the trolls from Ogino in St. Petersburg, and there is their building. So I want to take you through, so I've, I've given you the strategy. I want to take you through some of the tactics. This is mostly from 2016, but then we'll update it for 2020 and beyond. And then I want to talk about some things we can do about it. I think the IRA, and this list keeps growing, by the way. Uh, I think the you know, last time I maybe had five, but I keep adding things. Uh, I think the IRA identified seven great cleavages in American society uh, and got to work dividing us by targeting us and by weakening social coherence by uh, increasing polarization, resentment, and mistrust. This is going to be uh, US-centric, um, but this, you could give this presentation from Germany, from France, from Sweden, from Estonia, from Finland. There's a lot of perspectives. I just happen to know the US one best. Uh, they are guns and Second Amendment issues, the meaning of patriotism, religion, immigration and cultural identity issues, what we might call values issues, race and racism, uh, the establishment and elites versus real people, right? The coasts versus the rest of us, at least in the states. Uh, veterans issues and the civil-military divide. I'm particularly interested in that. And what do I think of them? Well, I think they're long-term. They're participatory, right? We share, we retweet, we, we feel something when we encounter this kind of stuff. Uh, and that's the purpose. Uh, they're emotional. I think they're tribal. They appeal to our sort of tribal instincts. And in my view, I think they're very clever. I don't like it when people just sort of you know, dismiss it. I, I think they're pretty good, actually. Um, it starts in 2015. Well, there, people start things at different times and places. But I think it's a good case to be made that Jade Helm, which was a US uh, Special Operations Forces exercise, was a Russian proof of concept. Here we have a Special Operations uh, soldier. And, uh, and so this is going to happen, as I'll show you here, on this map. And so we train you know, where we live a lot of the times. And so in this particular case, this was the, the area of operations, quite a big area of operations. And these are various soft things that, that you don't need to know about. The, the, the military put this out. It's for public release. And red is hostile. And so this is actually a real, this is a real thing made by the Pentagon. But red is hostile. Texas is hostile. And there, there became this idea that this is the guise under which the Obama administration, remember it's 2015, is going to come into Texas, take your guns, take your Bible, take your religion, take all your stuff, and, and sweep up the enemies. Um, and so every time, uh, for instance, a Humvee passed an empty Walmart, uh, there, was, uh, there were claims that, that th these were the jails, that were, they were, they were going to keep everybody. Um, you, you can, YouTube is an amazing place. Spend a little time on YouTube. You can Google what I'm talking about. And so the governor of Texas, still him, by the way, Greg Abbott, said what we're going to do is we're going to have the Texas State Guard monitor these federal troops coming in. And this has old, uh, you know, this is you know, Civil War echoes, right? You know, the North coming down to the South and telling us how to live. The civil rights or FBI showing up. Uh, telling us you know, how to live, how to do civil rights things. Reconstruction, right? those federal boys coming down and telling us how to live our lives. And so there was an outcry, and Greg Abbott says, all right, we're going to call it the State Guard that he controls, and we're going to monitor these special operations forces so they don't actually start arresting people and taking their guns. And you think this is ridiculous, um, 
And the Pentagon is like, um, just so we're clear, this is an exercise, and we're not actually here to take. I mean, can you imagine the Pentagon spokesperson, right? Like, you're now addressing the press, and you're saying, well, we're actually not going to take over the United States, right? It's not why we're here. And so they find themselves in very bizarre territory. But the, per the problem with, with Greg Abbott, according to General Hayden, and I uh, agree emphatically, fell right into the trap by legitimizing conspiracy theories with official state action. Quote, at that point, I'm figuring the Russians are saying, we can go big time. This is not Russian, by the way. It's just the idea that Americans will believe this sort of stuff if they want to believe it. Uh, we're, we can go big time. And at that point, we're going to play in the electoral process. Russian bots and the American alt-right media convinced many Texans that Jade Helm was an Obama plan to round up political dissonance, right? Okay, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, you, can, uh, you can see this wonderful, um, sorry, it looks like the date got cut off a little there. 6 January 2017 is the document that you want it's the Director of National Intelligence put out the unclassified version of what happened. And here are the key judgments. Again, you can Google this. Russian efforts to influence 2016 represent the most recent expression of Moscow's longstanding desire to undermine the US liberal uh, democratic order. Uh, significant escalation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, hurt Trump, sorry, hurt Hillary, help Trump. And so I want to show you some of those things. This is a wonderful document. You can, you can Google it. It's publicly available. So let's check out what they did. There's a couple of different memes. I, I try to collect some of the memes. A lot of them have been taken down now, so I kind of, I kind of hunt for them. Um, but here's a great one called Defend the Second. And I'll, I'll spoil the, uh, the suspense for you. Uh, Defend the Second is not a Second Amendment rights advocacy group. It's actually the Russians uh, from St. Petersburg. And they put out this one. Why do I have a gun? Because it's easier for my family to get, out me, get, uh, get me out of jail than out of cemetery. Now, you'll note that, due respect to my British friends, it's the hospital, the future. I don't know why you guys keep missing this. Uh, no, no American would ever say, what would you say? Would you say out of the cemetery? Is that one of those ones where you miss it? Yeah, okay. I don't know. You guys say, well, like, in future. I'm like, you mean in the future? Uh, anyway, the point here is that, so the Russians have to come up with some of this stuff. They have to come up with their own content. I'll show you why that's important in a minute. But Suffice it to say, there are certain tells, right? And so sometimes grammar doesn't exactly translate well. And so here, that's an easy tell. But here, here's an easy one, right? I have a gun because it's my own last resort, and I'll just figure it out later in the justice system because I don't want to be alone in the dark in the rain by myself, you know, whatever the whatever the the, the theory is. One of my favorites is the Army of Jesus, and I would love to be in, in like an IRA creative when they're doing this stuff, you know? And they're like, what if we had an army of Jesus, right? And like, no idea is, is too outrageous. Uh, so Satan, if I win, Clinton wins. Oh, Jesus, not if I can help it. So we're gonna have this massive, uh, massive wrestling, the arm wrestling match, wonderful stuff. Also, they wanted to suppress the African-American vote in the United States. And a good way to do that was to uh, develop something that you can't see here on the bottom. It says black divest. And the blacktivist memes were intended to basically say your vote doesn't matter, you shouldn't vote, to keep, to keep it down. It's not, so both things can be true. We can both want to hurt Hillary and help Trump, right? Some things like this are just patently false, uh, but they play on an old narrative, right? The, 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 the suppression 
of, uh, of civil rights and voting. Okay, the problem with disinformation is the scale. So remember how I said before that I don't like things that are, that are unprecedented? Well, I will grant you that in the Twitter age, in the social media age, the scale is simply unprecedented. It goes at, at crazy speeds. Uh, a misleading article about Hillary Clinton's health, which you may have seen, uh, she had a, a microphone wire that was so like the box was kind of tucked on her back belt under her suit, and then the wire came up. And people were like, what's that wire? That wire's, you know, she's hiding something from us. So anyway, so this, this article reaches 8 million people. And the Daily Beast, which is a journalism uh, website, was like, uh, actually, that's not true. Well, 30,000 30, people saw that. Right? Once the toothpaste is out of the tube, it is an enormous problem, and it's not going back in. These are just telling you what to think. What if we actually had a way to mobilize people off of the, the, the computer in real life? And so being patriotic, again, I'm going to ruin it for you. It's the IRA. Um, decided that they were going to have an event. And I'm not really sure that New York City was the best place to have. I mean, Hillary's going to win New York, right? Like, this is death taxes and Hillary winning New York are things that we know. Um, but on July 23rd, they decided they were going to have an event. And the point here, which the IRA figured out, is that you can actually get people off the couch, right? Not just tweeting, not just sharing. You can actually get them to show up at a certain place and time if you tell them to. Right, like, like the, the marionette, right, from, from the, the Godfather, for the, from those of you who remember that. Or you can have a Heart of Texas rally. The Heart of Texas, again, is an, IRA, uh, is an IRA front. And on May 21st, 2016, we're going to have a stop the Islamization of Texas. There's this Dawah Center here, and we don't like it. Uh, so on Saturday, May 21st, uh, at 201 Travis Street in Houston, we are going to have a stop the Islam uh, uh, Islamization of Texas. So the heart of Texas puts this out. People are like, that sounds great. But the United Muslims of America shares their event. United Muslims of America, also an IRA uh, platform. It's only been a month since the Library of Islamic Knowledge at the center uh, in Houston is open. Save Islamic Knowledge, May 21, 12 p.m., Dawah Center, Travis Street. By the way, the actual Dawah Center had nothing to do with any of this. And here we are, right? co-located co rallies, right? So people, I don't know what this flag is, by the way, so buy a cup of coffee or a beer if you know. I'm sure it's a Welcome to America flag. Um, I don't know, I have no idea what it means. I like the, the kill yourself here, so it's, it's lovely social discourse. Um, and again, so what we see here is the IRA just tells us not only what to think, but where to be, and then they set the conditions for what you see here. By the way, Texas is what we call in, at home an open carry state, which means you can have a weapon basically where you, know, you can bring your, your bazooka in the subway and, uh, and get a sandwich. And so uh, the, there, there were some people who thought that um, it was hoped that in Texas this could actually devolve into, into Americans killing Americans. Uh, so Texas might have been a strategic choice there uh, due to the, the gun issue. Anyway, so again, just playing us. All right, Mueller in 2019 finally concludes what everybody knows, Russia interferes in a sweeping and systemic fashion. But let's update this for 2020. The hard part about this information is coming up with content. Right? You've got to keep feeding the beast. And so the Russians thought, what if we just set up a platform and people who think what we want them to think 
will already write for us. And so what they did here with a platform called Peace Data is they just they, they, they got people, you want to you uh, complain about Yemen, I got an article for you there. Child trafficking, I got an, I got an article for you there. I like this one, overfunding the, mil the US military is driving climate change and white supremacist culture of war crimes, right? I mean, I've seen, I've seen the money, it's wasted for sure, but, um, but that's not what it's doing. Uh, so anyway, so Peace Data, what they did was they, they, they went on uh, various recruitment sites, like, like HR recruitment sites, and they said, hey, would you like to make some money as a freelance journalist? And the freelance journalists were like, sure, I, I need to get my name out there, I need to get my stuff out there. So they set this platform uh, called Peace Data, and any, anything you want to write about that sort of is a, is a far left type approach, um, the Russians would pay you, and they would pay you, I think, in PayPal or, or a couple of different ways. And they actually paid, right? Imagine getting getting money out of other newspapers. Uh, so this got shut down actually uh, because the FBI uh, found out and went to uh, one of the hosting things. I forget, I forget which one, and said like, "Hey, this is this is actually a, a Russian front." And they're like, oh, "Okay," and so it got shut down. Uh, but the point is, they're using real people on the right as well. So if you don't happen to be ideologically uh, aligned. With peace data, no problem. Here's the newsroom for American and Europe-based citizens. I think this one might even still be up. It is a news organization and a news aggregator site dedicated to bringing you uncensored news and discussion, right, this idea of uncensored free speech. I think we somewhere here, uh, globalism, uh, the failures of modern uh, liberalism, right-wing politics, globalism, freedom restrictions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they don't put political correctness above common sense. And they're inviting real people to actually get in touch, right? Why do I have to come up with all the content? If you have a, a particular bugaboo from the far right, hey, you can publish here, right? There's a home for you here, and there's a home for you here. So they don't have to do it all themselves. Uh, a quick case study, how to target veterans. Number one, pose as, uh, as an American veteran. Uh, create what looks like organic content. This is actually real content. This is why we salute the flag. This is why we stand for the anthem. This is a, a Vietnam veterans. I will not uh, ruin anything by telling you Vietnam veterans is actually the Russians. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a real thing, right? I mean, that's, that's hard. Um, no two ways about that. Step two, create a following in the military and veteran community with agreeable images, like if you are proud to support our veterans. Right? Have sort of a, a multi-generation, potentially cross-racial, uh, you know, little feel-good, right? You know, hey, hey, kid, go go shake hands with a veteran, right? That's that's nice. Okay, veterans come first. Also Russian. Step three: add misleading images. Here's American veterans again, Russian, on Instagram. Um, and this is a scene from an honor flight. An honor flight is when the remains of a U.S. Uh, well, so, uh, U.S. fallen come into Dover Air Force Base in Delaware, uh, and then they are repatriated to their home, wherever their family wants them. Uh, I've actually been on an honor flight, and it's very powerful. Um, you know, the pilot says, "Hey, this is an honor flight. Please stay in your seats." And the family is going to meet the the casket, and then you, you will open the doors after that. And so you basically just you know sit there for a second. Uh, so this is Veterans U.S. Um, and so they have a, a, a superimposed, Hillary asks, quote, what difference does it make? Now, that is a real quote, but it is taken out of the circus that was the Benghazi hearings, right? It has nothing to do with this. And so what they've done is they've taken a real image of an honor flight and a, technically speaking, 
real quote, it's true, and they've overlaid it. To, you know, so you have two true things that when overlaid create a false impression. And that's, that's what they've, they've done here. So follow veterans underscore US if you know the difference. Uh, 53 bucks. Okay, step four, stoke anger and resentment in the military and veteran community to drive the, the civil uh, military wedge even deeper. Feed 10,000 Syrian rebels? How about taking care of 50,000 homeless veterans instead? Right, so now we finally get to the nub of it. They don't want US forces to be in Syria um, because you know, we're having a little proxy war with the Russians in Syria. Right? So the idea is if you can erode some support for the veteran community by, uh, by, uh, from the Syria mission, right, that's all to the good. And so that's what we're trying to do. Create some real content, create some images that you might want to like and share, and then get your strategic message in there as well. So are we helpless? I want to spend um, a couple minutes just talking about things that we can do. We don't just have to give up. Uh, I told you I love ice hockey. Here's Putin, number 11, uh, playing in a, in a very professional league here. And this goalie, right? Like the defenseman is like, take your shot. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. And the goalie doesn't want to save it either. Right? He's going to end up in a gulag. So I think Putin scored like 11 points or something dur during this game. If you're them, you're helpless, but we're not them. We are not helpless. There are plenty of things that we can do. Uh, lots of countries are doing this actually pretty well. Take the Estonians, for instance. They have Propastop. Uh, Propastop is, 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 a, is a website um, in uh, Estonian, English, Russian, and German. Um, and it just it looks at the, the, the propaganda efforts that are, uh, that are targeted at Estonia. <coughs> Aside from just, a, I'm not here to tell you what websites to go to, but here's what they call it, information space security. We don't really even have a term for this, at least back home, and I'm not sure that the Brits do either. Um, because we think of it as cybersecurity, right? It's not cybersecurity, uh, it's information space security. It's a different way to look at it, right? It's not that, you know, it's like with penetration testing, right? Is my, is my network secure? Yes, no, right? Is my information space secure? Yes, no. Well, that's a, that's a harder question. And it's a, it's a different question. In Sweden, they have another idea for it. The MSB is their civil contingencies agency, and they have societal information security. Right? Again, not cybersecurity, societal information security. We don't have these, these terms. They've, they're thinking about this in different ways. Information space security, societal information security. I don't really care what we call it, but it's not cybersecurity. It's something different. The Swedes um, have, have put out this emergency preparedness um, pamphlet called If Crisis or War Comes. And for those of you who are old enough to get the, um, uh, the, the, the yellow pages delivered to your house, uh, this is what the Swedes would do during the Cold War. They would put out a little pamphlet and they would send it in the mail to every house in Sweden. Uh, and after the Cold War was done, I think maybe in the late 90s or 2000s, something like that, they stopped doing this, right? Because like, what's the point? Like, you know, Russia's, you know, they're our friends. We're, we're not going to get, you know, nuclear uh, winter here, so we'll just stop doing it. In 2018, the Swedes restarted this effort. So now this comes to your house if you live in Sweden, or you can get it on the interweb. And here is a picture of it. Emergency preparedness, false information right up at the beginning. 
I think the Swedes have this right. right? I don't I don't envision, you know, I don't know, the Russian Spetsnaz, you know, parachuting into Stockholm. I don't envision tanks. I do envision false information. Here is what page six says. And I think it's the most important page in all of the internet. Um, the best pr uh, protection against false information and hostile propaganda is to critically appraise the source. There are technological responses. I don't happen to know what they are. I'm trying to hire a postdoc who can help me with that. Um, but I couldn't tell you how to you know, tweak an algorithm or what, I don't know. There's legal responses, right, about the Communications Decency Act in the States, Ofcom in this country. There's tons of things that you can do. But I'm a historian, and this is what I think historians can add to uh, the, so the societal information security uh, preparedness kit. Is the information factual or an opinion? We don't do this. When I was a kid, uh, you'd have to write um, fact or opinion next to a statement. And my son, uh, who's in year three, he doesn't do that. And I don't understand why not. You know, we, we have to teach kids what's a fact and what's someone's opinion. And I don't know where this stopped. And if you do this or you have kids that do this, I'd, I'd love to hear about it. But I, that's something that, that I remember and I think is missing. What is the aim of this information? Right? What's the intent behind it? Who put it out? Is the source trustworthy? Is this information available somewhere else? Right? Can I check it? Uh, is this information new or old, and why is it out there at this precise moment? Why not yesterday? Why not last week? Right? In, in a sense, it's almost like Herodotus or Josephus you know, solved cybersecurity. These are important questions. Search for information. The best way to counteract propaganda and false information is to have done your homework. Use more than one reliable source. Right? All of these things, it's not rocket science. And yet I think if we just you know, took the steps, I think we could be in a better place than we are. Sweden has just said, you might, you might have seen this, they just set up the Psychological Defense Agency to fight fake news and foreign interference. I do not speak Swedish. Um, do not know how to pronounce that. Uh, France, by the way, six months ago, also created an agency to fight foreign disinformation. I think if we are not doing this, we are behind the power curve. And I'm not saying it's easy, uh, but I think setting up dedicated agencies to do this, uh, and I understand, right, you know, that the government is the answer to everything. No, I don't think that. But there, there is a place for this, and I think that we have to compete in this space. The Finns have decided to promote uh, media and information literacy. Again, something that, that my kid is not getting in school, right? I, would I don't know why not. I would love to see that. And you know what? Like anything else, you get out of it what you put into it, right? If you want to run a, a sub four minute mile, get running. If you want to bench press your body weight, get to the gym, right? The idea that we can just, we can just be like, oh, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, they, they, they are at the top because they have resources and programs and an emphasis to get to the top. It doesn't just happen, right? And I think we need to start. I think, sorry for those of you who are maybe Gen Z and don't know what this is. This is The Princess Bride, which is a wonderful movie, uh, and you should all watch it. Um, but I don't want Facebook, I, 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 don't, I don't want us to tell Facebook or Twitter or whatever that they have to have this totally clean platform that's only golden, you know, pure as the driven snow truth. I don't think that's going to help us. I think we have to learn to live with the poison. 
It's never going to be clean. And in fact, I don't want to regulate uh, cleanliness anyway. In this particular case, I'm sorry if you haven't seen it, but it came out in like 1987. So if you haven't seen it but in the last 30 years or whatever it's been, uh, sorry, I'm just going to ruin this for you. Um, but the, the point here is that there's this little iocane powder, and they're going to have a battle of wits to see who can drink the iocane powder and figure out which, which glass it's, it's in. Anyway, so this guy, Wallace Shawn here is actor. Uh, so he, he dies, and it turns out there was poison in both glasses. But over time, the masked man developed a resistance by giving himself a little bit of iocane powder and a little bit of iocane powder, and pretty soon he could just deal with it. And I think that that's what we need to do. I think we need to be inoculated a little bit. I think we need to learn to deal with it. Um, so what? All right, here I'm coming to my, to my end. I think these are national security threats. So sorry if that securitizes them, but I think that's where we are. Um, I think that malign influence should be identified as a national security threat and resourced appropriately. We've got to take this seriously. I just wrote an article um, uh, about this uh, trying to, in the, uh, the Journal of the National Defense University, which is called Parameters. Um, and, uh, and I argued in it that you know every new administration in U.S. administration, when they come in, there's like this, this grab bag of things that scare policymakers. And it could be anything from climate change to terrorism to the Iranian nuclear program to, uh, I don't know, wh whatever you want. China, Russia, great power competition. And they basically just reorder them. They put number two, number one, number three, number two, right? And they call it a national security strategy. Um, and I think that's... I think we're missing it. I think disinformation needs to be not only on that list, but arguably at the top of that list. I think that can really hurt us far more than a resurgent China or whatever Russia's up to. Um, anyway, so then I just got, um, I got shredded online as a woke West Point professor uh, who, uh, who wants big tech to, uh, to take over and tell people what to think. So you can Google that. That's a, that's a crazy article. But uh, anyway, I had to tell my boss, I'm like, so? Um, I'm now a Wolf West Point professor on the internet, uh, which is actually not even true, but it's a different story. Okay, they intersect, uh, they intersect and overlap in ways that challenge uh, typical conceptions of national security. Right? What do we do? We make the MOD deal with security issues. We make MI5 deal with M uh, security issues. We make MI6 deal with security issues. This is an all of us security issue, and I don't think we're we're we're, we're there yet. Um, it challenges legal authorities, right? In the U.S., we have a very bright foreign and domestic divide. This, these, oh, these intersect and overlap in ways that are challenges our legal authorities and the structure of our defense and intelligence structures. I think with number one, social cohesion and critical thinking are now critical pillars of Western national security. That means getting it in the classrooms. It means teaching civics. It means teaching history. That means critical thinking. That means media literacy things that I think we need to do uh, post-haste. Um, the response of government and broader so civil society will have a decisive impact on the, pre uh, the preservation of liberal democratic institutions. Handle with care, right? I'm not saying that we need to, you know, to have regulation deal with everything. So we just have to be a little bit careful about that. I think I've skipped three in there. Sorry about that. Um, we can learn from other countries. You know, I showed you what the Estonians are doing, showed, showed you some of what the Swedes are doing, showed you a little bit what the Finns are doing. Other countries are tackling this. They're far ahead of the UK, they're far ahead of the US. Um, but each approach, I think, will have to be national, right? We can't just take another country's approach and overlay it on our country and be like, see, now it's solved. It's not that easy. <coughs> 
And then finally, I think we need, um, sorry, this, this got cut off. I think we need to develop some trust and cooperation between intel and security agencies uh, and big tech and journalists. And I know that's hard because they hate each other and there's a mutual suspicion there. But I think just as a, for instance, with Peace Data and the NAEBC, um, which they needed to come up with a, with a better name for that, right? It's not just Americans that have to be, sorry, it's not just the readers that have to be critical. Journalists have to be critical as well. Big tech has to be critical as well. And I've actually been pretty impressed with what I've seen, uh, for instance, from Facebook when FBI uh, goes to them and they're like, hey, this is the Russians. They, they get on it pretty quick, actually. Um, not saying they're perfect. I wouldn't even know what perfect looks like. Um, your journal, journalist is another one, right? Uh, hack and leak, right? You, you've all seen how the Russians weapon, weaponize leaks. Uh, hacking the, the Democratic National Committee, hacking uh, other politicians, okay, good for them. Um, but you know, sometimes I think journalists, and I'm not even putting like the WikiLeaks and the Julian Assange folks you know, into that category, but sort of what I might call real journalists, mainstream journalists, when they see stuff and they're like, oh, this is, this is good. It might be good, but it's out there for a purpose. Uh, and so we just need to, to think about that. So I think that might be the hardest bit. I grant you that the intense focus on foreign disinformation might be a problem. I understand, I take that criticism, I study the foreign aspect, uh, the domestic bit, some of, the, some of the stuff works, some of it doesn't. Um, but yeah, the idea that it's all foreign, right, and that we're being acted upon, right, instead of being proactive, um, uh, we're domestic actors, again, I take it. I think disinformation, unfortunately, flourishes in fertile soil. Um, just as a, for instance, back home, uh, Pew has found, so in, in, in the United States, we have three branches of government. Um, that's what makes our, 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 our system a, a federal system. And Pew has found that 33% of Americans don't know that we have three branches of government, and 11% of Americans can name them. Right? They don't understand what's going on, and so when they get told something, right, they don't have the cognitive backbone to say, actually, no, that's not true. Right? And so it, again, um, I think you know the, the 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 situation can be ripe for it. Um, this is a, this is a hard one as well. And to be honest, I'm going to leave you here. This is my my last slide on a bit of a on a bit of a, a, a sort of I don't know a frustrated note, a disappointed note. Um, I don't think there's a lot of silver linings, actually. And, and this one, Paul Gosser, by the way, is a, is a sitting US representative from Arizona. I guess he's a doctor, but I don't know what it's of. And he put out this uh, in 2020, the world is better without these guys in power. Here's President Obama and uh, uh, leader of Iran. They never met, actually. This on the left is the real photo. And on the right, it was photoshopped. So here I am droning on and on about citizens and journalists and whatever. But yeah, I mean, if you have elected representatives who didn't do this kind of thing before, you might remember he got in big trouble recently for the oh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez like beheading car cartoon, right? Um, so he's, I'm not going to say too much. Uh, technically, I'm still a federal servant. Um, but uh, uh, but you know I, I I'm 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 concerned because I think that we need leadership at the top, um, and I think we need to we need to ask people um, you know you, you want people to to respect 
the government, right, and do the things the government wants in Sweden or whatever, govern well, and then they will. So I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, so I think I'll probably leave you there. So thanks very much. Thank you very much for that, David. That was a really fascinating presentation.